Christians believe there is one true God, but often unintentionally serve false gods. So what do you need to do to quit wavering between false gods and the one true God? Well, let's talk about it today as we continue our series on Elijah right now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so glad you're joining us today. Hey, uh, you are where you need to be. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, we are praying God will give you a reason and a purpose of why he has you listening to this podcast and why he has you where you are. And so um, we are truly, truly praying for that. Today we're going to be uh, looking through 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, and so if you want to uh, follow along there, you can turn to that chapter. But uh, let me just say something that's so important to God before we get started. Above anything else in our lives, God wants to have all of our hearts, our worship, our focus, our adoration. God wants to be number one and have all of our hearts. In fact, the very first of the Ten Commandments, command number one, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. When Jesus was questioned, what is the most important commandment? Jesus said, above all else, we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. God wants all of your hearts not just part of our hearts, right? Which gives good reason if, if you are Satan, which I hope you're not, <laughs> if you're the spiritual enemy, what would you try to do to hurt God, right? Well, if I were Satan, which I hope I'm not, I would try to take the hearts of the people away from the one true God and try to get people to worship and serve false gods, which is something that Satan's been doing throughout history, putting false gods in the place of the one true God. It is called the sin of idolatry, Okay, here's kind of our key thought for um, today's uh, message. False gods promise what only the true God provides. Okay, let me say that again. False gods provide or promise what only the true God provides. Okay, for example, money is a pretty popular false god, right? I would think you would probably agree. So what does money do? Money promises what only God can provide. Money says if, if you have enough money, you'll be happy and secure. That's what many people believe about the false god of money. But the reality is once you get enough money and someone says you have cancer and you're going to die in 30 days, you realize it doesn't matter how much money you have. It, it doesn't make it, you secure, does it? It's a false promise. Money says if you have enough, you'll be happy. But it doesn't matter how much money you have. If, if one day you find you've lost one of your own children, there's no amount of money that can buy your happiness in that moment. It's a false promise. It's a false God. It, it promises something that does not provide. In the life of Elijah, many people were living idolatrous lives. They, they were worshiping and serving false gods. In fact, if you missed last week, let me just kind of review to give you context, which will help us in understanding as we move forward, right? Elijah was called by God to confront uh, an evil king, very evil king named Ahab, right? Who was married to the wicked woman Jezebel, right? Ahab was the 19th consecutive evil king. Scripture says that he did more evil in the eyes of God than anyone before him. 
So he was the worst of the worst, and in all of his long list of sins and wickedness, the worst thing that he did was he continued turning the hearts of people away from the one true God, toward the false gods of Baal and Asherah. Baal was the sun god or the fire god. Asherah was kind of like Baal's wife, and the, the people were no longer worshiping the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Instead, they were worshiping the false gods. The false gods promised, if you worship me, we'll make your crops grow. If you worship me, then you'll have a better life. False gods promise that only the true God provides, right? God raises up Elijah who confronts the king and basically says, because of your idolatry, God sent me to tell you it's not going to rain until God tells me to pray and, and asks it to rain, right? So, so here is the major drought. You know, there, there's tons of people dying. It's famine, right? It's the worst thing you can imagine. So God sends Elijah into a period of hiding and preparation, why did he do that? Well, because King Ahab wanted him dead. He said to everybody, you find him, kill him on the spot. And so God takes Elijah to the place called the Kareth Ravine. Uh, if you were listening last week, um, Kareth means the place of cutting down. It's a place of humbling where God humbled him and developed him into even a stronger man of God. God fed him mornings and evenings, right, by, by this magically catering, heavenly catering service, right, with ravens who flew in and would drop bread and meat. And then he was able to drink from the brook. But one day the brook dried up. God called him to move on to a place known as Zarephath, where there was a widow, right, who God used to provide for him with just a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour that never miraculously ran dry. And one day the widow's son died. This growing man of faith took the son up to the upper room, called out to God, and God raised this boy from the dead. And we see the prophet developing into the man of God that God wants him to become. Now, our last uh, pieces of scripture told us that we, he went into hiding, right? Well, we find out now God wants him to go and confront the evil king. And here's where we pick up our story today, okay? We're about three years into the drought, and we will see them together again, all right? We're in 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to begin with 17 and 18. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the balls. He said, you are committing the sin of idolatry. You are putting false gods ahead of the one true God. And Elijah was confronting the very popular idea that there are many gods. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of words that you may or may not know. Okay, The first word is monotheism. Okay, Monotheism is the belief that there is one God. The second word I want to give you is polytheism, okay? It is the belief that there are multiple gods. And Elijah was confronting a very polytheistic culture where they would worship multiple gods. Now, those of you who are Christians, you would say, well, we are monotheistic, right? We believe in one true God, which we should be, right? But even though we believe in one true God, many of us live what I would call polytheistic lives. We believe in God, but in reality, we worship and serve many false gods, most people I know aren't worshiping the false gods of Baal or Asherah, right? In reality, the false gods today that people worship and serve are much more socially acceptable. And let's, be, let's just be transparent, you know. A lot of people worship the false gods of money. Or people worship the false gods of material possessions, like our house, your car, okay? It could be your image. could be your favorite sport or sports team, right? It could be your career. It could be your hobby. And oddly enough, it could be your children, and we might say, well, how in the world could our children be a false god? 
Well, when you elevate anything into the rightful place of the one true God and put anything on the throne of your life besides God, that is idolatry. Even something as good and as important as your children. So that's why I would have to ask this question today. What are the false gods that you serve? What are the false gods that you put ahead of the one true God? I'll tell you a couple in my life. I'm not proud of these by no means. Uh, but one is, uh, in so many different seasons of my life, I've made the church, the, the ministry of the church, right, the number one most important thing in my life. And it's obvious that, that serving the church is my calling. I truly believe that. That's what I'm here to do. But yet, I've made the church number one. It's the most important, even above God. I'll do it this, in the name of God, but it, it becomes my God. Grow, grow the church, serve the church. And that's become an idol in my life at points, right? Another thing, many times the TV becomes more important than God. Right? I will sit down and just get consumed into a show or a movie uh, to the point that I put it first before diving into God's word. I mean, there's been sometimes I got up in the morning, hey, I got to see what's on TV before I dive into God's word. I want you to be honest and transparent with yourselves. What are, what are the, some of the false gods you, you've elevated and erected in the place of the one true God? The sin of idolatry, right? Sure, we're monotheistic in our beliefs, but our practices are often very polytheistic, right? So Elijah, the prophet, steps into the polytheistic culture and he makes a very prophetic and very strong statement. And I could summarize this, this, this story into this one statement. He looks at them and as they are going back and forth and he says, with all the authority of God, he says, people, it's time to quit wavering. Quit wavering between the gods. Quit going back and forth. Elijah's prophetic message was it's time to quit wavering, right? It's time to quit wavering. So what he does is he basically says, we're going to have a good old-fashioned showdown. Watch what he says to the king. First Kings 18, we're in 19 through 21 now. It says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. How long will you do this? If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And I can guarantee you, if Elijah were here today, he'd say the same thing to us. Quit wavering. God, keep me out of hell and get me into heaven. But I still want to do whatever I want. Oh God, hear my prayers and bless me. But I don't want to obey your commands. Or, oh God, I want all of your good things, but don't get rid of all my bad things quite yet, okay? You know, oh God, I, whatever, right? Quit wavering. Quit being a Christian on Sunday and a heathen on Monday. Quit claiming Christ and living like you don't know him. Quit wanting the benefits and being unwilling to sacrifice. Just quit wavering. Take a side. I'm trying to conceptualize uh, Elijah's message, you know, and here's what I honestly think he would say. If your false God, whatever it is, really is God, then sell out to it. Then sell out to it, right? In other words, if material possessions, if they're really the most important thing, then quit just kind of accumulating them, but go for it. I mean, get into massive debt. Steal if you have to, right? I'm not joking about this because if the greatest thing is accumulation, then everything should be justified. And stealing then would be justified, right? And don't ever give again. Don't ever do anything generous because that would then diminish your ultimate goal of accumulating. If material possessions is truly God, then go for it. If your image is truly God, then just don't kind of do it. I mean, go to the gym three hours a day, you know, every day of the week. 
Also, don't let something as small as marriage hold you back. If you're not married, more power to you. But if you are married, step aside, step outside of marriage, right? If you like to play on both sides of the street, who am I to judge, right? Do what you want. Go for it. If that's your God, go for it. Your house, if that's your God, quit doing one little room at a time. Go into debt. Hire the best. Do them all at one time. Do the yard while you're at it, right? Landscape it all. If those things are your God, then quit playing around and go for it. But, hear me out, but... If Christ, the Son of God, is the one true God, then quit your wavering. Serve him with all of your hearts. Don't just claim him and then live as he doesn't exist. Serve him. You know, I can feel Elijah looking directly at me and saying, Dan, quit wavering. And here I'm saying to you, church, you know, you the people of the church, quit wavering. How long will you waver between two opinions? So what did Elijah do? Well, he has a showdown, right? And he goes and he says, get two bowls, one bowl for you, one bowl for me. We're going to build a couple of altars and we're going to sacrifice these. And we're going to call on your God and our God, right? And we'll see who really is God. And so we'll pick up the story and see what happens. It's uh, chapter 24, verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 24, chapter 18. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And then all the people said, well, what you say is good. I like that, right? That's what they said, right? And here's what they're thinking. They're thinking, you're an idiot. Do you realize what you just said? Do you know who you are dealing with? We're saying we are going to call on Baal. Baal is the sun god, right? Sun, hot, fire, right? It's made up of fire. You're going to get smoked, literally, right? You stupid, silly prophet, right? And so he goes on with this deal. Look at verse 26. He says, so they took the bowl given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. Now, I did a little research on this dance. And I have to be honest, it's a weird little dance. Okay. No, no, really, it was just basically his worship dance. It was basically, it was a full body jumping up and down, twisting around, shouts of joy, just shrieks to their false god, and nothing happened, right? Nobody dances like that today, do they? Really? Nobody? Nobody does that, right? Except maybe if you're at a concert, maybe with the promise of some great singer that's coming. You know, for example, just here in Nebraska, we just had Garth Brooks come to Memorial Stadium. And I got to tell you, If you were to look at some of the videos from social media posts, these people are going nuts, right? They are moving all over the place, totally into it, and it's worship. You know, maybe it's somebody else for you, right? Going nuts, moving all over the place. And that is what these people are doing. Ball, send fire. Nothing happened. And I love what Elijah does. He starts messing with them. Here's what he does. Look at verse 27. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Perhaps he's in deep thought or, or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and, and must be awakened. See, what is he doing here? He's, he's messing with them, right? I know he's God. He's a God, but maybe he's on vacation, right? Maybe he's taking a little siesta. He's got, this, got his milk and cookies ready to go, and he's taking a little nap, right? Now, here's what the funniest part about this is. When he says, maybe he's busy, what he is really saying in Hebrew, the word busy here means bathroom. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. Now, that's funny. I can't make that up, right? That's, that's in there. That's what it means. That's what he says. The most literal translation is maybe he's busy. Maybe he's relieving himself. Now, I'm just kind of picturing this. I don't know about you, but I, if you have Elijah, the man of God, and, and he's going, shout louder, 
I can just hear him say, maybe he's on vacation, right? Maybe he's in deep thought. Maybe he's on the john, right? He's taunting them. Man, where is your God? Maybe he needs to put down the newspaper, right? Right? Anyway, he's busy, right? So if you read on verses 28 through 35, through 35, what did they do? Well, they shouted louder. They danced around. They went crazy. They started to cut themselves because that's what they did apparently. And scripture says they shouted all day long. Sadly though, many of us, we don't dance for the false gods all day long, but many of us do it all lifetime long. Our whole lifetime, we're dancing, praising, pursuing, serving, and worshiping the false gods that promise but never deliver all lifetime long. So finally, at the end of the day, they dance, cut themselves, nothing happened. And Elijah does this, verses 36 through 37. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. I hope you can see the power and the beauty in, the, in, the, in that scripture. Answer me, O Lord. Reveal yourself. Show us who you are. Let us see you. Re- reveal yourself by fire. May we feel the heat of your love. Show us who you are. Why? So that you may turn the hearts of the people back again because they used to know you. They used to walk with you. They used to serve you. They used to worship you. But these false gods have taken your place, O God. Turn their hearts back again. You know, as I read that, I I feel such passion for some of you because there are those of you who you walked with him and then you walked away and you put some false God or any combination of false gods on the throne of your life. And maybe today God is trying to reveal himself to you. Why? So you can turn your hearts back to him again. You see, there are those of you that that's why maybe you're listening to this podcast today, right? Because God has been working. Why? So you can turn your hearts back to him again. Maybe that's why you're listening. Turn your hearts back to him. Now, if you know anything about fire, fire is hot, right? Fire is hot. Don't play with fire, kids. I'm just sharing with you. Don't do it, okay? But I did. They used to have these little cups at restaurants, right? You'd peel the little lid off, and they had powdered cream in them. You'd put it in your coffee, stir it up, and it would turn into cream. Well, they have something similar today, but they're all liquid now, okay? Well, we never used to drink any coffee, but what I found out is those things are highly flammable. If you pour that powder onto a lit match, okay, it's awesome. Don't try it, but it's awesome, okay? And the other things you don't want to try is you don't ever want to take 10 of these little things, put them in a bigger cup, okay? I did, and all my buddies gathered around, and I was stupid enough to stand over these and say, watch this, and I used to have a unibrow. Okay. I just kind of burned that thing right off. Right. I burnt my eyelashes, my eyebrows. I even burnt my hair. I believe that's why I'm bald today. Uh, not really, but if I did it today, I would say it would be this too. It would have burnt all those little nose hairs that I have. Right. I know that's gross, but when you get 40 or so, that's just what happens. So, so anyway, I feel better now that I told you all that. So whoever, whoever is God, reveal yourself by fire. He prays. And in verse 38, watch what happens. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And that would be my prayer for you, church, that we would see, so see him for who he is, that all the false gods would fall far away 
in comparison to the one true God. And our hearts would be turned back to him. And we would say, Lord, he is God. He is God. Now, I'll be transparent again. The first time I read this story, I thought to myself, you send fireball from heaven, I'm impressed, right? It would be like if I said, okay, God, if you're really here right now, burn, the, burn this baby up, whatever it might be, right? Whoosh. Okay, you're God. I can't do that. You can. That's awesome. So I was like, well, why doesn't God do that today? Why doesn't God show himself like that, right? And then at the same time, I was kind of asking that question. I realized just how God showed himself to us. It was 2,000 years ago when he left heaven, became one of us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and lived a perfect and sinless life so that he could die for us on a cross and be raised again so we could know him. And when you do know him through Christ, then all the false, false gods just seem to fall away. So if Elijah were living today, I think he'd say, church, quit wavering. If you know God for who he is, you will never be tempted to serve these false gods because the one true God is so much greater. Amen? I believe that's an amen. Hey guys, thanks for joining us um, for another episode of Venture Podcast. Um, I hope you're enjoying this series called Elijah. I love going back to the Old Testament at some points. Uh, we have a couple more weeks of this, so I hope you'll be back next week as we uh, get into part three uh, of our series on Elijah. Hey guys, we'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast and Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.